I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme. This is the round one recap of the Safeway Open. Joining me tonight, Kyle Porter. Kyle, uh, happy opening day. Yeah, I was I was having lunch today and uh, my wife didn't know that there was golf going on. And I was like, yeah, I got, you know, podcast tonight and, you know, whatever. And she was like, it's the new season already, isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, actually it is. Yeah. The, did you enjoy the three day off season? And uh, she was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> My so, wife says the same thing. I, it, there's, it, this is actually, it's like, like the shortest turnaround of the, of the year because you had a Monday finish. Yeah. It's just, I mean, you understand everything that goes on, but it just adds to the, uh, you know, it adds to the frustration for the wives. Well, it, it's yeah, for sure. And, and not, not to mention the fact that there's, you know, you can kind of take a breath after us open. Cause you got a little bit of, you know, they're not the greatest fields in the world, but it, you know, and, and Justin Thomas said this a couple of weeks ago, he said, look, I, I'm like mentally locked in through the us open. And that's sort of how I'm feeling right now of like, okay, it's not, you know, it's a little bit of a down week, but mentally I'm still like revved up here rather than kind of taking it down a notch. Yeah, it feels like it's the middle of the season, but yeah, it, it's easy to forget this time because this time of year we're typically really kind of um, coasting in the game of golf. But you know, we, we we're, had, we're all just what, we're all just mailing it in. We're all just mailing it in at this yeah. time of year. Yeah, that, that's what. <laughs> it's the fall, right? <laughs> it is like we're coasting. I mean, we joke about it, but there has to be. There's not an off season, so I think we sort of create whatever an off season can, can look like, you know, of like, okay, yes, this, it, it matters that Joaquin Neiman won the Greenbrier in October or whatever, but it's not, you have to, you have to be able to step away from it a little bit and, you know, say, okay, the, the, the Tory, the pebble, that's the stuff that is, is more pertinent. So yeah. Yeah. The, I, intent, I the in- intensity level changes. Um, but but as for this week, I mean, it really has been uh, quite a start. Um, I would say some names up there you may not have predicted. Uh, Russell Knox leads the way, nine under par, sixty three. He finished one hundred and twenty seventh uh, in the in the FedEx Cup last year and failed to make the playoffs. And I, I think um, it was the first time since two thousand thirteen, which is impressive. Really impressive player, Kyle. What do you make of his round today? Um. Hold on just a second. I'm reading through this. So 
before we get to his round, the number one twenty seven thing. Would he be a guy that if if you didn't have, I guess it, if you didn't have the like everybody keeps their card type thing, would he still be eligible for this type of tournament because of, of past champion status? Uh, well, also one twenty five to one fifty has some temper. They, they're going to get right. some starts. That's so right. this is how you know who, who this happened to. Uh, Harris English last year, yeah, was yeah. in a very similar place. I think he Harris English might have been one forty nine. He was way down and he gets into these fall events and he plays his way right back through the reshuffle and then ends up at Eastlake with a, with a legitimate chance of winning. So yeah. uh, it, it is important. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, like he's somebody that yeah, there's so many of these guys and you, and you see it in an event like this a lot of times where, I mean, Russell Knox is unbelievable at golf, right? And we've talked about him, what, never on this podcast, because we're talking yeah. about DJ, we're talking about John Rahm, and that stuff just sort of overwhelms the Russell Knoxes of the world. But he was great, he was great on Thursday. You know, I mean, he, he made the, the middle of his first nine, he goes three, three, three on four, five, and six uh, to get it to four under early. And, you, you know, you, I was, when I was watching, you see a lot of these guys, like Keegan got it to three under early. Um, there was somebody else who was like kind of hot early on. It might've been Cameron Percy and Russell Knox continued it throughout the back nine. I just think at a place like this, if you're not making bogeys and you're not backing things up, you're just, you're, you're giving, you're just giving yourself a chance down the stretch and that's what he did. And, and, uh, yeah, he was great throughout. Our fives that are, um, all, all, gettable really and and you're looking at situation where if you can keep the ball in play and as you said you avoid mistakes and it's almost like your starting point is is 68 and two or three putts fall and all of a sudden you're right there in the uh right in the thick of things so i think because that's a great point doesn't a bogey here feel and i don't know th- this is hard because i mean doesn't, doesn't a bogey at, at a place like this feel a little like a double or like not a double but like between like a one and a half over just because well, it's, you, you know, you hit a bad shot at some point, right? If, if you go to um, like Olympia fields, you could hit great shots and make a bogey. Yeah. Right? And so, but this week it feels like if you, you, you have a, a number of wedges into green. So you either hit it behind a tree and you had to chip out and yeah. you weren't able to get up and down or you hit a, hit a bad approach shot and, and hit a bad chip uh, more likely than not. So there's definitely going to be a bad shot somewhere along the way, which makes it feel that much worse because every bogey feels like a mistake where there are some courses where it doesn't feel that way. That's a great point. I was watching, <laughs> I know we're going to get to him, but I was watching Spieth on, <laughs> I can't help myself. Uh, I was watching Spieth on number eight today and he has this like 85 yard wedge and it's not the greatest like angle or, you know, I think he was on the, I think he's on the upslope up maybe, but he just flies this wedge, And you can kind of, you, you know how, like when it's on TV, you can tell in the air, like, wow, that looks really long. Um, that's what it felt like. And it just, it, it, you're right. Like it was a, it was a terrible shot and he ends up making bogey. Um, but at a place like Olympia Fields or somewhere like that, that could have been a double very easily based on kind of what like the setup there, whether whether it runs away like over the back or there's like thick rough or whatever. It was just it was a very easy bogey for somebody like him. But it was it was still just like a horrendous shot that led to it. But even after that, he still should have hit it 
he, he still should have got that up and down. My, I mean, from, from watching it, he had a, an opportunity, I thought, to get that ball uh, up and down or make the putt at least. So even if you hit a horrible shot like that, there's that avenue where you feel like you can recover in one one good shot again. So, look, I'm not saying that the, the golf course is extremely easy, but it definitely hurts when you're making bogeys and there are so many players who aren't. And yeah. an- another guy, like Brendan Steele goes out there today. Shocker. And he, right? Shocker. The, uh, the, the king of the Safeway Open for sure. <laughs> he makes seven birdies, no bogeys, which is a, an amazing round. But you start to look at it. Well, he plays the par fives in four under. He makes, yeah. he makes four on all the par fives, all, and he makes no bogeys. So all of a sudden, a couple of putts fall, and he shoots 65. And it, yeah. it looks so easy, and it feels so easy for him, and it makes it really sustainable going into the weekend. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great point. And I think the par fives thing, you know, it's, it's interesting because we, we look at this, um, we look at it so much differently than we look at a place that, uh, like East Lake or like Olympia Fields, they're obviously different courses, but the par 70 versus, versus par 72 thing, we just talk about them differently. Like, oh man, these guys are scoring. Whereas if it was a par 70, we'd be like, oh, they're grinding out pars. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting how differently we kind of talk about the way that guys are playing a course based on what the par of a hole is, even though they're still making the same score. It's amazing. Uh, what do you think about the uh, par? Because to me, par has one purpose in professional golf, and it's just so that when somebody's on 17, you know where they stand relative to somebody who's on number three. If there was no par, it would be, well, he's this guy's at 263 for the week, or, or he's at 64 for the day, and this guy's <laughs> at 15. You wouldn't be able to keep track. So that that's the only purpose to me. What, what are your thoughts? Wouldn't it be incredible if we got total numbers on the board <laughs> and people were trying to, <laughs> trying to do math? Like, well, he's at 264, but he's through 15, and this guy's at 250 through 11. So, I, I, don't, uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, par is par is silly to me. I mean, it, it, it is, and we always like, it, you know, I, I always, I, I can't help myself. Like when somebody shoots a fifty nine on a par seventy, and I'm like, it probably shouldn't count. It was on a par seven, <laughs> and people are like, yeah, that's right, you're right, and I'm like, no, I, I'm trolling you. Like, <laughs> this is idiotic. <laughs> Because we can just call the we can we could say it's a par seventy eight. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. He shot he it took him fifty nine strokes to get around the golf course. Yeah, so, yeah, right. It took Russell Knox today sixty three strokes to get around. But it, I don't know. That's my my thing with par. People get the, all worked you, up when DJ shoots thirty under. But yeah, the thing that we don't do is talk about, and that we actually should do is like how long was the golf course? Like who cares about the par? Was it? 8,000 yards? Was it 6,000 yards? Because then you're talking about, okay, well you get around an 8,000 yard course in 64 strokes. That's, that's pretty crazy. Well, as much as I love this conversation, we have (laughs) found ourselves. Producer Jacob is is not pleased. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Jacob usually uh, runs a pretty tight ship here and tonight (laughs) we've misbehaved, but Jacob, I apologize. But anyway, Phil Mickelson, today also um and great rounds by brendan Steele and russell knox we really got to give them the credit they deserve but phil mickelson um he puts together a round of 71 today um kyle is there before we talk about his round today is there anything that you thought phil could do this week that would make you feel like uh his chances at wingfoot were legitimate 
No, no. And, and we talked about, I thought you were on this before the tournament of like, look, this is this course. You can be competitive by hitting 20 fairways for the week or, or whatever. Like you, you can still kind of manage your way around because of, you know, how, how not penal it is. And now we're hearing out of Wingfoot, like, you know, another massacre at Wingfoot, three over one, you know, like what the winning score could be over par, all these different things. And so it just, it has absolutely no bearing to me uh, on, on next week at all. But uh, by the way, if I gave you, before we talk about Phil's round, if I gave you Knox uh, up to on steel or steel for the rest of the week, like who finishes higher, who are you taking out of those two? I, I think I prefer steel. Yeah. Um, just the way he does it. Look, Knox, they played very similar rounds in that they're both bogey free, but the, the um, confidence that Steele has around this golf course is phenomenal. Russell Knox, I mean, he made half of his cuts last year. He made 11 of 22 cuts. Doesn't mean he can't have a great week this week, but Brendan Steele coming in was playing some really good golf um, down the stretch, which was one of the reasons why I was really high on him coming in this week. And the fact that he's won twice here, that definitely helps. But he's been playing some really good golf coming in. So I, w- I would go steal. Knox is kind of a low-key big game hunter. He's got, he's got uh, listen to these wins. He's got HSBC Champions 2016. He's got Travelers, great field, great event. And he's got the 18 Irish Open. I mean, that, that's a, like if, if you're looking at guys that have won three events, but not like no majors or anything, like that's a really good resume. Yeah, it is. You're talking about a world golf championship. It's a, it's impressive. Yeah. So I, I'm not saying that he doesn't have the ability to hold on. It's definitely, it's, it's nobody to kind of brush your shoulder off. I just, I think Steele is playing. Like I, I look at that round today from Russell Knox and it's a great round and you almost start to get into the category of, well, is that great round going to affect his next round? I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, conversation, but are things going to average out a little bit? Yeah, Whereas for yeah. Steele, it was just so he, he didn't he didn't really do anything that was uh, incredible. He just kind of plotted his way along and made seven birdies. I feel like he could do that again for uh, for three straight days. It, it wasn't like this remarkable round. So yeah. I, I think that's probably why I, I'd favor Steele. Yeah, uh, you know who didn't make seven birdies? Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson did not make seven birdies. He made some. He, he, he made some on his second nine. He got three in there, which was, you know. Do not you like? Terrible. Do you like him on a? And this is sort of related to the Wingfoot uh, Safeway conversation. Do you like him right now on a really difficult course or a really easy course? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, see, it, it part of it is. This is my challenge with um, the really difficult course is attractive because he doesn't have to make, you don't have to make a ton of birdies. And if you, if you're missing greens, if you're missing fairways and missing greens and you, it it comes up to scrambling and everybody's missing fairways, everybody's missing greens, everybody's scrambling. Well, I'll take Phil in a short game contest all day. Yeah. Yeah. I I still don't feel like he's going to give himself any birdie chances. I, I, that's what I feel like at Wingfoot. I feel like he's going to be scrambled. His birdie looks are going to be from the bunker. Like Jacob and I were talking about before the show. Yeah. I have a ton of looks. They just happen to be, they're usually inside a hundred yards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I could like see the hole, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a look. <laughs> and that's my worry with Phil yet on an easy course. I feel like he still figures out a way to make it hard. Yeah. He, he, well, 
and that's a little bit what I'm getting at. I, I almost feel like Phil at this point of his career, like if you would ask me 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I would say I love Phil, I think, on an easier course because he just makes so many birdies. I mean, it's unbelievable. So aggressive. And, and not that Augusta, Augusta is not an easy course, but you, you, you can give, you, you can, you can make, you, you can make, so you can give yourself so many opportunities to make birdie. And he, he's done that over the course of his career. And now I almost, I almost like him more on a hard course because it, it's like, okay, could Phil, is Phil going to get up and down like 16 times? Probably not, but maybe i mean I, to me that just seems more likely than the, the birdie thing right now do you worry about on a hard course that do you worry about his concentration i know we've talked about that how that's his biggest thing but i i picture phil at shinnecock hitting a, a moving putt and i i picture a little bit of frustration <laughs> that's a good i don't point. know if he can handle that frustration that's a good point no that, that's true um and i guess you know the argument would be like Although when, whenever he finished second at Troon, you know, third was like five under, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't easy. He just made it look easy. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's an interesting conversation because I think that with the best guys, you generally, they want to be on the hardest courses. And I would be curious how he would answer that right now. Well, um, today he hit five of 14 fairways. We know that's not going to work at Wingfoot, but <laughs> no. if you're interested Kyle, you can get him 80 to one uh, at, with our friends at William Hill at Wingfoot. So pretty, pretty long odds. Are they long enough for you? Will they give him, will they give him to me at 800 to one? Because that's what I, <laughs> that's what it would have to be at. I don't even know if it's worth the one at that. I mean, I guess you throw a couple <laughs> shekels at it at 800, but yeah. 80 seems a little tight for me. I know yes. I'm staying away. I mean, five of 14 fairways today. You, I, I, you need you need more than that. I just think it's going to be so tough next week to handle that. Um, you know what's you know what's crazy? I was I wrote about this a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, I think this is his thirtieth professional, the start of his thirtieth professional season. Which, I mean, we we kind of are in this weird part of his career where we're we're like I don't you know I don't know what he is, what he's doing to be that good for 30 years. I mean, his, his two things are consistency and staying healthy, right? Like that uh, he's, nobody's been better at that over the course of 30 years than he has. I mean, he's got whatever 600 stars on the PGA tour. He just, I, I almost feel like he doesn't get enough credit for how good he's been for three decades. I mean, it's, it's truly incredible. It, it's a great point. And there's one thing that he um, is, I feel like it's the one thing that he's missing and it's because of all these close calls at us opens that we feel like, and because of his health, we still feel like there's a chance. So he's still in the conversation. Whereas a guy like uh, Jim Furyk, for example, who's playing this week still has plenty of game. He's had a, an extremely long and, uh, and consistent career, but he's not chasing a career grand slam. So if he goes to play wing, but where he, where he was in the mix in 2006, he, he wouldn't get the attention Phil gets. And, you know, I, sorry to jump in there, but I, no. I think that the way that I think about Phil and we can move on to, cause he's not going to win this week. We can move on to the guys that actually might win. Uh, the way that I think about Phil was completed when he won at Muirfield. I, I don't, the U S open thing. It's like, man, if you're good enough to finish second, six times, like your game is, is so historically good. And I think to, to do what he did at Muirfield, that was the place where you're like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if, it, I don't know how that works. I don't know. And he was it, that, that round and that tournament in 13 at Muirfield was so incredible 
that it sort of just rounded out the way that I felt about him, no matter what he did from that point on. So I, yeah. you know, go, going into the U.S. Open, I'm kind of like, he's not going to win, and I don't know that I really care. I, I understand who and what Phil is uh, over the course of his career. Yeah, his, his place is uh, not going anywhere in history. And and to add to that, you you mentioned. He, I mean, even he didn't know if he would ever have the shots to win an Open, um, and he did, and then he almost did it again in 16 if it weren't for in uh, Fuego Henrik Stenson, which yes. is just, I mean, one of the best performances we've ever seen in a major. That's what it took to beat him. Um, but you mentioned guys who actually have a chance to win, so of course um, that leads us to Jordan Spieth. Uh, <laughs> and okay, listen, I, I want <laughs> let sorry. me let me go first because I, I actually want. I think you'll be better on this. I, so I watched part of his rounds. So I, I couldn't watch all of it, but even on his first tee shot, I'm like, it, it looks so uncomfortable. Like his setup, his waggle, like all this stuff. It's just like, this is, it's just, it, it's tough to look at. And then he swings and I got to say, Greg, like, I, I, he's kind of hitting it okay. It looks like he's going to fall down. Like, he looks so off balance with his swing. And I, I don't – technically, I have no idea what that is. You, you could – you would be better on that than I am. I, I just – I don't understand. It, it, it just it, – he's almost just so wound up with the swing that it, it's hard to imagine him being able to get out of it in his current state. Um, so I think there's a few things here. Are there technical things you can see that are, that are, are, uh, flaws in his motion? Yeah, of course. But at the same time, there always has been, yeah. even in 2015, 2016, this wasn't a beautiful swing to watch. Watching Jordan Spieth is not enjoyable because it looks, e- this is not watching Adam Scott and it right. never has been right. This isn't a guy who's, who's smoother than everybody else. This is a, a flair for the dramatic. And it's dramatic, good and bad, and recovering good and bad. And and that requires uh, a lot of confidence and a lot of strength. But it, at the same time, it requires a simplicity. And I think of Jordan as a guy who had these flaws when he was at his very best. He had flaws in his game. And everybody knew it. He knew it. But he didn't care. He just went out and figured out how to shoot scores. And it was a very um, sort of caveman approach to the game where he's going to hit it uh, to a side of the hole and then he's going to hit it to the green and he's going to make a putt. And it, it, it didn't matter how it looked. It didn't matter what the ball did. He was going to yell at it and talk to it and, and he's going <laughs> to listen at some point and then he was going to make a putt. Yeah. And Brooks Kepka described him as the most annoying person to play against, not because of anything um, that he, that he did or said, at least that's not what, what Brooks said. It was because you always felt like you had an advantage on him and then he'd make a 25 footer. And you felt like you could never get ahead playing against Jordan because he would always make he it was scrappy, and now we're seeing a Jordan who has things um, that are complicated in his mind, and that's why you start to see him lose balance. That's why you see the fidgeting uh, before he hits the ball. That's why you see the discomfort, which part of which you've seen, but it's it's elevated now because there's a lot going on in his mind and things aren't simple, and he's trying to fix problems. So, yeah, you know, I, I heard about one top 25 guy who, I mean, you, you would say this guy's a a superstar and he, after, after uh, Spieth won Pebble in 17, I think he won it going away, like by four or five or something like that. This guy was like 
that's problematic because of the consistency. And he just, he's just repeat, repeat over and over. And that's like the opposite of what we're seeing right now. And I love your point about like, you know, I, I heard this great thing about Nicholas the other day about how, you know, he, he would, he would like try to hit the center of a green and maybe try to fade it a little, maybe try to, to draw it a little, depending on where the pin was. But as long as you're aiming at the center of the green and you're, and you're kind of, you know, you might miss hit it a little bit. Like you're, you're still like around, you're not firing at every pin and even watching him on eight today, I know he's 85 yards out, but there's trouble only long. He's got all this room to the left and he's just firing right at the pin. And it's like, you end up making bogey that that's just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like who he used to be like mentally around. And again, that's one shot and whatever. Like, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, like with his mental approach, but that was just one thing that kind of stood out to me as you're talking about speed, kind of trying to find the center of these greens. Yeah. And I'll make um, one last point, which actually, I, so I was talking to, um, to Michael Breed this morning, we were talking about Jordan and he, he believes that Jordan is chasing statistics which mm. I found very interesting because I, I used the whack-a-mole analogy the other day and I feel like Jordan's always chasing. And that to me says he's, he's looking at the same thing we're looking at. Okay. Well, he's starting to slip in, in his iron play. So he chases iron play and then his putter becomes a problem. And then he goes back to the putter, gets that fixed, but then the ball striking becomes a problem and, and they're constantly chasing and it takes away from the, the scoring mindset that he used to always have, which is kind of where you're playing like a kid. And I want to see Jordan get back to that where it's like the RBC heritage on the second nine this year where he stops working on what he's working on and shoots 29. That's still in there. We just got to, we got to, um, we got to see it again. And he I needs, want to see it again for four straight rounds. He needs Mark to give him a stroke scan heart pep talk. Yeah, may, maybe. So I don't know. Stroke scan heartbeat. Yeah. Stroke scan heartbeat, right? <laughs> Calm yourself down. Let, let's, uh, let's do a little bit of scoring. But anyway, there, there are some players who do have a legitimate chance at, uh, at winning this tournament. One of them, uh, extremely impressive, very nice to see, uh, Akshay Batia. Uh, he's an 18-year-old looking to make his first PGA Tour cut. He turned pro last year. He's from the Wake Forest area, decided not to go to college. He took a lot of, uh, a lot of scrutiny for that. So it's really nice to see Akshay in the lead. Kyle, I know you were interested in talking about this before the show. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, actually, let's group all these guys together because I want to get your thoughts on um, just sort of like the youth that's in here. So we got Akshay at six. We got Andy Zhang at six. Andy Zhang went to Florida, uh, played in the U.S. Open in 2012. as a 14-year-old. I don't remember that. Where was, where was the 2012 U.S. Open? That was Rory at Congressional, I think. Um, I thought that was 2011. Oh, uh, um, 12 was uh, Olympic. Webb. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then we got uh, Sahith Tagala, who played at Pepperdine and won the 2020 Heisman of college golf, which is the Haskins Award. Um, So all these guys are great, and they're all – what did Tagala shoot on Thursday, by the way? Do we have that? He might not be done yet. I don't don't think he finished. Um, So Akshay Akshay 6, Zhang 6. So they're both kind of, I mean, they're both very much in the mix. I, I want your take on, do you get more excited about a guy like Tagala or Zhang who's gone a couple years in college? Um, I don't know how many, I don't know if either of them went all four, but at least spent some time in college, gotten that grind in a little bit. Or do you get more excited about a guy like Batia who 
is much more raw for sure because he's 18, but could potentially have a higher ceiling. Like what, which route, like if you're just in a vacuum choosing one of those routes, which one do you get more excited about? Well, I would, as a, as a coach, I would recommend the college route. No question about it. I mean, it, there is a point where, and um, so Akshay works with George Gankus and um, he, he has said, George has said, look, this is a decision he's developing in, at the pro level. Other guys have decided to develop in, in college. Uh, they're, they're all going to develop. And, and George, who also coaches Matthew Wolf, that's his um, best known student, but he works with a number of players on tour. He thinks the world of Akshay and he thinks he's going to be around for a really long time. Um, but, but anyway, I, I worry about the non-college route a little bit more. I, I think it's a uh, more challenging route. And I think you miss out on experiences that are really important, not just on the golf course. I mean, go, learning how to live on your own is a really important thing when, that you, you develop some skills in college. And, uh, but at the same time, you have this opportunity when you're a player of Akshay's level to um, to go and basically be treated like a superstar, which yeah. you're, you're not going to get for a really long time. You have these facilities that are just unbelievable. If you see what they have at Arizona State or Georgia Tech or Wake Forest, which is you know where he's from, these facilities are world class facilities, and you have an opportunity to go learn there. And then you add to that the players who have had um, success coming right out of college. You look at not just Wolf Havel and Morikawa, who are um, more famous of the bunch, but you also have Bryson and you have Jordan Spieth and Brandon, John Rahm. Brandon Wu. Brandon Wu. I mean, the, these kids come out of college ready to go, and it's because of the experiences they gain in college. Does that mean Akshay can't do it? No, but there, there's like a – a group, you come up with a class. And when you come up with that class, you say, okay, well, Colin Morikawa just won the PGA championship. Yeah. I beat him in college. Yeah. I can, I can play. And yeah. so for Matthew Wolf and Hovland, these guys are going to feel more confident when, when Colin Morikawa has more success. Akshay, I don't, I don't know if he's going to have that. I'm, I'm fascinated by Akshay. I hope he makes the cut. He's missed uh, each of his first six, even though he's played pretty well in I think at least one of the two rounds in all of them. I, I, I saw something about how well he had played or at least under par in at least one of the two rounds of all the six tournaments that he's played, but he hadn't made a cut yet. So I'd love to see him just, just mix it up a little, you know, and, and not yeah. just for, just for his sake, just to, to, to get that confidence of like, Oh yeah, I, I can actually do this because look, we, the way that you and I talk about a Safeway open is, like way far away from how Akshay would view it in terms of competing. That would be a big deal, right? Like, or it should be, it should be. And so I would, I would just, I would love to see that for him. Um, Cause yeah, I, I, I I'm fascinated by him. Uh, Great. Like super interesting swing. He's just, he's an interesting guy that uh, I hope has a lot of success, all these guys, but he's, he's the one that I'm kind of most fascinated by. I agree. He's the more, um, definitely the most interesting. And uh, for Andy and Sahith here, they almost get lumped into this is, well, this is what's coming up the pipeline, right? Yeah, these are, yeah. They almost get into this norm, whereas Akshay did something different. So he draws a little bit more attention. Yeah, so, so, interesting. Sahith and Zhang are kind of in that, like, uh, Will Zalatoris, um Who's the kid from uh, from Alabama that's in the in the uh, U.S. Open? God, I was just writing about him today, Davis Riley. 
yeah. uh, who, who was the point, who was the, I think he was first or second in points on the corn Ferry tour this year. The, the, that's kind of the way that I think about those guys. And look, those, I, I think all those guys are going to be solid players on the PGA tour. I just don't know that the ceiling is, and maybe this is just like a perceived ceiling because he's so young, right? Like I, yeah. I don't yeah. know what the actual ceiling is, but um, right. it, it's that, just, that's, it's a hype meter. It's how yeah. much hype did they get? Yeah, totally. So it, it, it's um, very interesting to see. Definitely rooting for him because all these players, I mean, this is, like you said, Kyle, even though despite the way that we, we look at this event through a different lens because yeah. we're used to covering uh, events with the, with the big boys, especially this year with mm-hmm. the strength of fields that we've had. But don't forget, this is full FedEx Cup points. And a, a win in an event like this for one of these players changes their lives and a second or third could get them an opportunity to, to, um, to really keep their dream alive. So it's something that we're definitely interested in seeing, but speaking of the big guns, speaking of big game hunters, we're, we're going to talk a little Brooks Kepke withdrew from the U S open. Uh, but first let's take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American express business gold card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. And we're back. Okay, Kyle. Um, the, the man who finished uh, second last year in the U.S. Open, first the year before that, and first, the year before that, is not going to be playing this year at Wingfoot. Um, Brooks Kepka, of course. What, what do you make of it? Well, I, I'm curious to see if you agree with this. I don't know that it changes the way that I think about the U.S. Open. I, I, I am I, I remain sort of ambivalent about where Brooks is at right now. He had a, he had two good rounds at PGA. Kind of kind of just. I mean, hung in on Saturday when it was kind of falling apart and then he was terrible on Sunday. And so I, I I don't know that I was going to go, I'll I'll do like a power rankings next week for like the top 20 guys going into the U S open. He would have been on it out of respect, but it wouldn't have been in the top 12 probably. I would have had him, you know, 15, 18, something like that because of his play this year because of the injury stuff. So I just, it stinks, obviously, because I want all of the big guys to be playing their best golf in all these majors. But I don't know that it really changes the way that I think about this tournament. What about the way you think about Brooks? I mean, we're talking about this happened. I mean, we're coming up on a year ago where yeah. he, he slips and re-aggravated it. And you know what? It probably is uh, maybe more than a year ago when the initial tear happened. Because remember, he had a little stem cell procedure done, and then he's ready to play for CJ Cup, slips on pavement, and re-aggravates it. And here we are in September of 2020, and we're all expecting this to be over before Masters. We're expecting him to be ready in, in April in, in the original 2020 masters. And now here we are in September and he's withdrawing from another major. Are you, are you concerned long-term? For sure. I was on, I remember being on the, uh, the no Lane up podcast at the end of, it was right after the pres, uh, the president's cup. It was in December, like middle of December last year. And we were talking about kind of year end stuff. And I said, Hey, are we at all concerned about like the Kepka stuff, like the knee stuff? 
And we were kind of all got on the same page of like, eh, I don't know, not, not really. Like he's kind of had some injury stuff before, but I don't know, not, not particularly. And then the more it went on, you get to Riviera and he's like, I don't know if I'll ever be the same again. You get to, I think it was uh, Arnold Palmer. And he's like, ah, he just, he, he just starts saying all this stuff along the way. And you're like, this feels problematic. Like it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like nothing, you know, like, a JT wrist injury just goes away. A Kepka wrist injury from a couple of years ago. You're you're kind of like, oh, okay, like that was a thing, and now it's not a thing. A DJ this, knee injury. I do, like, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, this does start. This is starting to feel like, okay, is this is that it for winning majors? It's which sounds dumb. Like I sound like an idiot saying that, but I think he's thirty. You, we talked about this on Tuesday, like the the. Well, so many guys that win all these majors, it's so compact. It's in such a short period of time. And in that period of time, it feels like they're going to win 10 of them, but you get to the end of their career and it's like, Oh, well that that's, those are all the ones that they won just in that tiny period of time. So I think those are kind of some of the things I think about as I think about Brooks long-term. I hope that this is um, kind of a, a one year thing. And, and I hope he gets out of it. Even if it's a two year thing, I just, I hope that this isn't, the way that it ends because his career is one of the more fascinating careers we have in the game. And the, I call it now the post tiger era. It, it is fascinating. And he just mixes up the whole debate. And he, he's the one guy that gets thrown in there that um, kind of changes the way you think about things. So it, I, I want that career to play out and I don't like seeing careers end because of injury, it just kind of feels like a, like a little bit of a letdown. Did you like his style, his game at Wingfoot? I mean, it's great everywhere, but particularly at Wingfoot. Uh, well, no, not necessarily. I, I think there are a couple tee shots at Wingfoot that are great for faders. Um, but I worried about some of these tee shots where it, they really ask for a draw. And this I don't is why you're like picking Xander, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a, one of the reasons. Um, one of one of many. Xander seems to check all the boxes for me. But I I do think moving the ball right to left is important on a lot of holes. Now there are tee shots like number eight um, on, on the first nine, which is a big boy hole. And there's one other that's kind of escaping me right now, which uh, 17 is, is another, um, another fade shot, but you can play on, on 17. Anyway, you can work it either way. So you're looking at one kind of must fade and the rest, they really favor a draw. So I worried about that a little bit, but all that being said, players of today are learning how to make that work. And it's mattering less and less which direction the golf course favors. So um, I think Brooks on, on hard golf courses seems to do really well. And I would have been surprised because I don't think the game makeup is what you would expect to do well at Wingfoot. yet. Yeah. He just, he seems to figure it, figure it out on hard courses. Uh, real quick, because I don't, because I don't want to bring this up next week, because Mark will make fun of me. But I made a, uh, I made a two on number seven at Wingfoot. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, so, what was your uh, the the pitch shot you had? Oh no, seven's the par three. That's Babe in the Woods. Um, yeah. So that's that. It's like a okay. forty foot putt. It would have gone probably sixty Sweet. feet past if it hadn't that's hit the hole. Cool. <laughs> uh, okay, this we're going off script, but give me your. Uh, so the Pinehurst news came out this week, USGA going to Pinehurst. Give me, it, people are f- just freaking out about this Rota for yeah. the U.S. Open. Yeah. Give me your six-course U.S. Open Rota. Okay. Um, I fortunately thought about this today. Um, so Wingfoot, Oakmont, yep. 
no question. We'll yeah. throw Pinehurst in there because they're they're the ones I <laughs> guess starting <laughs> starting the whole thing. <laughs> so you got uh, Wingfoot, Oakmont, Pinehurst, Pebble, no question about it. Uh, and then I think you have Tory Pines, and I'm missing a um, oh Shinnecock would be yeah. six. So Tory so Tory would be wait was that six? Yeah. Wingfoot, Shinnecock, Oakmont, Pebble, Torrey, Pinehurst. Okay, so Torrey would yeah. be your sixth. Yeah, and and the reason for Torrey, I guess you could replace it with uh, with like an Olympic club or something. I do think you need another West Coast. In I, you you know what? Would, you know what would be fascinating is, and I don't know if infrastructurally they could do it, but uh, something like Riviera. Yeah. Um, well, it's hosted majors long ago. Um, I guess it hasn't recently, but it would be fascinating. Or uh, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how LACC goes in 25. Or I've heard 20, great things. 23, whenever they're getting that. So I think, I think the five there, the Shinnecock, Wingfoot, Oakmont, Pinehurst, Pebble, that's, I think it, it, it feels a little universal. Like it feels like that's yeah. kind of where everybody's at. It's just, what do you do with the six? I sort of, I'm on the side of, of leaving it open for like a chambers, Bay, the chambers, Hill. the Aaron Hills, those types of places where you're not kind of boxing yourself in for the next, by the way, do we need a 2047 date on the U S open? <laughs> I know I cry. It cracks me up. They do it with the, with the Ryder cup too. It, it I, I don't understand it. The, so many things change, but I guess Pinehurst with all of its history, it's very likely to, um, to be exactly the way that we think about it now in 2047, but you're right. It's, it seems a little bit, uh, my kids will 30. be, my kids will be my age whenever, like what I am right now, whenever the, the 2047 yeah, maybe, US Open. Uh, I guess they, they got to get ready for the, the reverse bowl green, start prepping them now. Maybe <laughs> <in> 2047. <laughs> there could be a statue made after them. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Kyle, thanks for joining us. We are way overboard. We have just, I mean, poor Jacob. We've gotten him in a lot of trouble tonight. Yeah, so Jacob, yeah. thank you for your patience and not blowing up our, our chat too much. Uh, that's Kyle Porter. You can catch him at on Twitter, at Kyle Porter CBS. I'm Greg Ducharme. You can get me on Twitter at The Real GFD. Uh, that's all we have for you today. But join us again tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, and Friday. of course, all next week. It's a new season. So uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.